0: Welcome to the Rent to Retirement podcast, your resource for passive real estate investing and retirement strategies. If you're new to real estate or planning your financial future, you're in the right place. Join us at renttoretirement.com to find your path to financial freedom and an easy, carefree retirement. Enjoy the show.
1: Hey, renter retires, it's Adam Schrader here, once again joined by Zach Lamaster, the CEO of Rent to Retirement. And we are pleased to be joined by the CEO of Wealthability, Rich Dad CPA, and number one bestselling authors of books such as this one in my hand, The Tax Free Wealth, and his new book, The Win Win Wealth Strategy Seven Investments the Government Will Pay You to Make. And that is Tom Wheelwright. Tom, thanks for joining us today.
2: Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me, Adam, Zach. Always good to be with you guys.
1: Yeah, well, it's an absolute pleasure. So why don't we start a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit of your backstory, kind of who you are, what you do, but also how you got uh, connected with the Rich Dad people? Sure. So
2: I, uh, I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. So as a good Mormon boy, I spent two years in France getting rejected in French. It's all good. And uh Uh, which is really great training to be an entrepreneur, frankly, learn how to handle rejection. Uh, I spent uh, seven years with Ernst & Young, including three years in their national tax office, Uh, 14 years as an adjunct professor at Arizona State University in their master's of tax program, Uh, four years as the in-house tax advisor for a Fortune 1000 company. For 25 years, I built, bought, sold CPA firms Um, Last 15 years or so, I've spent a lot of time on the road with Robert Kiyosaki, um, teaching uh, financial education around the world six uh, on uh, six different continents. And uh, now I run a network of CPA firms. We have 60 60 some odd uh, CPA firms in our network uh, throughout the US and Canada.
1: Nice. Now, one of the things that you touch on that I really like is you talk about the, the tax code favors the employers and employees are just kind of left high and dry. Can you talk a little bit about how that is in, in the tax code? Like what benefits even are there for individuals as compared to businesses?
2: Yeah. I- I- interestingly, uh, it didn't used to always be that way. It used to be that employees weren't taxed at all. Until 1944, they weren't even allowed to be taxed. In 1944, they said, well, we're only going to tax you on the amount of money you earn over the average earnings. And that's where we got the standard deductions. Um, But starting in the 1960s uh, with President Kennedy, what we got was um, uh, Kennedy looked at, if we incentivized businesses to do certain things, would they actually do those things? So, um, you know, fast forward to today, businesses, now it's completely flipped. So where employees were never taxed, now employees are taxed the most. I mean, good example, last two years, everybody's been working from home. If you're a business owner, you get to deduct that home office. If you're an employee, you don't. So employees are pretty much left, um, unless you're gonna be an investor. Now investor, anybody can be an investor. So, and you don't have to be a big investor. Everybody can do that. And in my new book, uh, win win Wealth Strategy, I actually look at seven different investments. Two of those that are most common for uh, individual investors would be insurance and retirement plans. And those are two things that the government does favor that any individual can take on. You don't have to be in real estate. You don't have to be in business. You don't have to do one of these other um, areas where the government really highly incentivizes. Uh, But the government pretty much has said uh, there are certain activities that we prefer and if you do those activities, we're going to give you tax benefit. There are certain activities that, yeah, if you do them, that's fine. You just pay tax. And one of those act, the the number one activity where you're going to get taxed is being an employee.
0: I love that, Tom. And and thank you so much for giving us a little bit of history on on taxes as well, because I, I think it's very interesting. It's important to know why we're being taxed in the different capacity that we're working and also why it's important to operate since we're talking about you know Kiyosaki and cash flow quadrant, why it's important to operate. On the B and the I side, right, Is that's where you, you have the most tax benefits and it's important for everyone to know that that is the government is incentivizing you to do certain things. They, they want economic growth and they want investors to go out and be productive and build, you know, housing and, and things like this, especially in certain areas to allow you to take advantage of these tax codes. And this is where you really can catapult your investing to the next level is being a strategic investor to take advantage of these tax benefits to further your own portfolio. Um, since you talked about your new book, we're very curious to t- to hear about that. Do you mind just going through, can you list the seven ways or the seven key aspects?
2: I can actually right <laughs> off the top of my head, believe it or not. Uh, so number one is business and a good uh, a good portion. That's the biggest chapter in the book because business is always the most incentivized. And by the way, we looked at 15 different countries and we looked at the incentives in 15 different countries. We literally have 150 endnotes. On 15 different countries, um, because we wanted to see what do other countries do. Is this just a U.S. phenomenon, or is this something that is done worldwide? Business, it's almost unanimous that uh, business is favored, and makes sense. Um, the government wants to create jobs. That's the number one real reason for business. I mean, obviously the economy is good, all that kind of stuff. But the number one reason is that they want to create jobs, and of course. If the business isn't paying tax, the employees are because the people who have the jobs are paying the tax. So it's not like no tax is being paid. It's just been shifted from the employer to the employee. That's pretty much what the government said. Um, the, the, the second one would be um, real estate. Real estate is a huge tax incentive, not just in the U.S., more so in the U.S. than other countries, but pretty much pretty well incentivized in many, many countries. Um, pretty su- actually, I was surprised by how many other countries had similar incentives to the U S for real estate investment. Basically the, the, the incentive is if you buy a house for yourself, you may get a small incentive, but that's pretty rare. Actually the U S is one of the few countries that does that. If you buy housing, if you create housing for other people, then you get big incentives. Okay. So the idea is we need more housing. So if you, if you, if uh, again, taxpayer, if you, Put your money into housing. We're going to give you tax benefits to encourage that kind of behavior. Um, number three would be technology. Technology is uh, uh, actually a, a hugely incentivized throughout the uh, developed um, uh, developed world. Uh, very, very big incentives. We see it. That's why Tesla and Amazon didn't pay taxes for so many years, right? It's because of those high incentives for technology. Um, Another one is um, energy. Energy is highly incentivized. This was another one that surprised me that how many countries incentivize energy. It's not just the U.S. Um, A lot of countries. and, And of course, that's for defense. That's for economy. There's a lot of reasons For incentivizing energy, Um, uh, renewable energy is highly incentivized, um, but so is traditional energy, um, whether it's uh, natural resources or whether it's um, nuclear, which is not a renewable energy. It's more in the traditional um, category. Um, Another one, uh, another big one, is of course agriculture. Uh, (laughs) I've I've had a number of uh, clients over the years that had farms or ranches. I've literally never seen somebody in agriculture pay tax. It is the most highly incentivized um, activity. And and the reason is pretty obvious. I mean, we need food and we want food production. We We want food production to be in the U.S. We don't want to have to rely on importing food. That's a really dangerous place to be. As you can see in uh, Europe and the, and a lot of the undeveloped countries where a lot of food production, you know, a lot of wheat, for example, is coming out of the Ukraine. And you see that the, the downside to relying on that kind of food or energy production, right? We're seeing the downside right now pretty heavily. Um, and then, of course, there's insurance and there's a retirement plans. So those are basically the seven um, investments. And the great news is, is they're available to everybody.
0: I love that. And obviously that goes back to our point of the government is providing these type of tax incentives and benefits to promote certain ac- activities um, that's going to benefit our country and our economy as a whole. And I think the beautiful thing you'd probably agree, Tom, is when you can use multiple of these and intertwine them together, right. right? I mean, we're real estate investors. That's you know what we're here for to talk about today. So we'll be specific about that, but you can be a real estate investor. You can couple that with being a business owner and, you know, yep. do do those combined together, possibly have some energy efficient, you know, solar panels or whatever. And you can do additional things on that for additional credits. So you can do all these things kind of collectively. And why, why are we talking about this? Taxes are the number one expense we're all going to pay. We spend so much time talking about taxes because that's the easiest way to give yourself a quick raise, right? right? And to um, be able Unless to invest. you're a farmer. <laughs> you're not well, paying it anyway right uh,
2: right exactly
0: i have a lot <laughs> of farmers,
2: farmers get this they understand this they've understood this for years and years and years this is not a new thing for farmers
0: i uh i come from a farming family i'm, I'm from wyoming and a lot of our friends and, and family own um cattle and, and livestock and that's a huge there's huge tax incentives with that of course. a lot of them do organic farming too there's additional benefits for that type of food too so um yeah they they get it and we work with a lot of those investors too to put additional money into real estate and, and grow their portfolio there. But let's talk specifically about real estate, Tom. I mean, just for the average investor, someone that since this is accessible to anyone, um, if you're providing housing for other people as an investor, what are some of the, in your mind, some of the biggest tax benefits just off the cuff that that every investor gets access to and needs to be aware of?
2: Well, you know, there's really four ways to make money in real estate, right? Um, the first is depreciation. So this is the big tax benefit. The cool thing about real estate is of all the asset classes and all the investments, it's the easiest one to leverage. So it's easy one, the easiest one to get debt, right? The banks are pretty, will pretty readily lend money on real estate because they see it as a hard asset. They see that the renters are going to repay those loans. So um, real estate combined with debt, that's actually a combination that is almost a must if you're going to get the tax benefits. If you figure that you can buy five times as much real estate using debt than doing it person. You also get five times the tax benefits from the depreciation. So that, that depreciation is the single biggest tax benefit. There are other tax benefits. For example, you can sell the property and not have to pay tax because you can do a like kind exchange, a 1031 exchange right now though. Uh, frankly, because of this bonus depreciation we have, which allows you to take anywhere from 20 to 30% of the purchase price as a deduction in the year, year one. So you could literally put $200,000 down on a million dollar building and get a 250 or $300,000 deduction. So more of a deduction than you actually put money down um, because of the debt, you get the deduction, the bank doesn't. And so that depreciation just becomes really big when you add in this bonus depreciation that we have specifically this year, it starts phasing out next year, but this year it's huge. And then when you add into that, the appreciation, which you may never pay tax on, you can do 1031 exchanges. You can pull money out as debt and never pay tax on the debt because debt's not taxable because it's not your money. So even you're just temporarily using it, you're going to owe it back. Um, But debt's not taxable. So, you know, it's that combination of debt, not being taxable. So you can pull out the appreciation down the road in cash without being taxable simply by refinancing and, and borrowing the money. And then you can do 1031s forever and ever. Um, of course, we call it buy, borrow, die, so that you actually hold it when you die and all your taxes just magically disappear, which is truly amazing. And real estate's one of those areas where you can really do that, where you can, you know, you buy the asset, you're not paying tax when you buy it. You can, uh, when it it appreciates, you're not paying tax when it appreciates. Then if you hold it uh, uh, when you die, then those taxes just disappear.
0: I mean, that's, that's beautiful. That's, uh, I mean, so many people are right now with where interest rates are at and things, there's a lot of uncertainty and people are wondering, do I still buy real estate right now? And, and of course my, kind of retort to that would be, uh, do you like saving money in taxes? Um, you know, of course, if you're a professional investor and in doing some of these, implementing some of these strategies, which which we do, of course, Tom's talking about cost segregation studies and doing accelerated depreciation. Right. I mean, Adam, what's the return on investment for that if you're putting $200,000 down, getting three three $300,000 in tax savings?
1: That's you know infinite. I believe is the correct answer for that. <laughs> that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> that's uh that's the whole point of uh, this book, right? Tax free wealth.
2: <laughs> well, and that's why I say that. Um, you know, in in uh, my new book, Win uh, Win Wealth Strategy, there are seven investments the government will literally pay you to make the investment. So the li- government is literally paying you to make the investment in real estate. They're literally saying we will pay you to make this investment, um, you're willing to put some of your money in, we're going to put in the rest. And it's, it's a pretty generous uh, proportion when you think about how much the government is putting in versus how much you're putting in.
0: Tom, would you say that this is following these type of strategies when we're talking about building generational wealth? I mean, you work with a lot of wealthy people, Robert mm-hmm. Kiyosaki included, that have been extremely successful. And you see these families that continue this wealth. I mean, there's, there's a reason they're making that money in these investments and maintaining these investments. Would, would you agree?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the, the challenge is, is that you really can't get where you want to go um, financially if you're paying high taxes. It's literally impossible. The numbers just don't work. So, um, you know, the old idea of, you know, and uh, you know, do a 401k, invest in a you know, well-diversified portfolio, mutual funds. Uh, while 401ks do work tax-wise, um, at, they don't work as well. Okay. And, uh, and certainly you can do much better tax-wise than a 401k. So um, there's a reason it was number seven and not number one. Um, <laughs> these are an order of importance um, to, to the taxpayer. And so, uh, you know, that, that, the the thing that people forget about is not only am I saving taxes now, but now I have that tax money to invest. So you actually, and, not on top of having that tax money to invest, I can leverage that tax money with the bank. So I'm not, like if I save $20,000, I can buy a $100,000 property by saving $20,000 because I can put $20,000 down and buy, borrow $80,000 from the bank. So the, the multiple, it's literally exponential when you look at how fast the wealth is built when you're able to borrow money.
1: Now, when you talk about, business being number one is there a specific do they incentivize different business structures more than the other they, or they is, they, they, you know, they do
2: how how you structure your business is very important okay it's very very important um you can get the same deductions whether you're schedule C and report it on your personal tax return or whether you're a um a, 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 an S corporation or a, a partnership or anything else um But there are some taxes that you can avoid. So, for example, you can avoid self-employment taxes if you form properly. You can, um, there are things you can do, you know, you get in sophisticated tax planning, which is what wealthy people do, right? Because they make so much money, they can't just reduce their taxes with the seven investments. They have to do more sophisticated planning. And um, there are things you can do with, if you own it through, your properties through a limited liability company or a limited partnership that you can't do if you own it directly. On top of that, you've got, of course, asset protection. There's estate planning you can do so that you d- you can pass it on. You know that that legacy you're talking about. There's things you can do there with um, if you hold it in it through an entity like an LLC, limited liability company, or limited partnership. That you can't do if you own it directly so it what it does is it gives you a lot more flexibility and a lot more options of uh what to do um and who owns it and who controls the assets
1: if you were going to kind of rank them in terms of you know which one the government um you know which investment of corporations the government will pay you to make how would you kind of rank them
2: you mean from an entity standpoint
1: yeah like uh you know corp. It, it, it totally
2: depends on what you're doing Oh. So I, I would I would rank them all equally and they were all equally bad. It depends <laughs> on the situation. So for example, I don't want to be an S corporation holding rental real estate. That would be bad. But I do want to be an S corporation holding a business. There might be times when I want to be a C corporation holding a business, but I would never want to be a C corporation holding real estate because that's really bad. I mean, S corporation holding real estate's bad enough, but a C corporation holding real estate, that's like, Super bad. Um, I, I would not want my IRA owning real estate personally because I'm losing all my tax benefits. I, the, 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 the IRA, it's like putting a tax shelter inside another tax shelter. I'm going, I'm losing some of the benefits. So um, you, you really do want to be careful about which entity goes with which type of investing. Businesses, uh, different, different types of entity than real estate, different type of entity than stocks. Different type of entity. Do I want to be in a 401k for stocks? Absolutely. I absolutely do. Might I want to have uh, gold in a 401k? Absolutely. It's taxed at a 28% rate, no cash flow. Why not? So, you know, every entity has its uses. I'll tell you the one entity that's probably misused and underutilized the most is trusts. Um, trusts are not something we use in business. Necessarily, but trusts are something we use in legacy planning and income tax planning, and as protection, they are the best for that kind of planning. So they're very important. They're very important tools in your toolbox.
0: I mean, can we dive into that a little bit, Tom? Because um, we've heard different things about putting in in a trust to um, you know, and basically, I guess my question is pertaining to legacy wealth and, and passing on your, your portfolio to your next generation. So you have the step up basis, which I think is what you were referring to is, you know, those taxes disappearing, but you still have estate taxes potentially, right? So is is that how you get around that?
2: Well, you have to balance that out. So we have right now about a 24, $25 million exemption from estate taxes. So up to that level, you would never you'd never want to gift that money out of your estate until you die because you want that basis step up and you're paying no estate taxes so you get a you get to eliminate your income taxes on the appreciation and not pay the estate taxes at the same time that's a that now there's a win-win right i mean you yeah. get both sides of that so it's when you get over that 24 25 million dollars this is for a married couple right so it's half that for a single person it's when you get over those numbers that you need to start looking at uh, using trusts for estate planning purposes. But trusts are important for other reasons than tax, right? So for example, the the last thing you want uh, when you die is for your heirs to have to go through probate, uh, meaning that they'd have to actually go to court to get the, the title of the assets in your name. You can avoid that with a simple family trust or living trust. So there are lots of uses you know, I think it's a mistake we make if we think about using trusts or using entities just for one purpose. This is what this kind of my point is is that I've heard people try to use trusts for business purposes. They don't work. I, i've I've heard you know, people use land trusts. a couple of states they work, but in most states they don't. So you really do have to look at, Okay. when am I using that? The goal is understand the basics, which is what I go through in Tax-Free Wealth. Understand the basics of how taxes work and how the different entities work and then have a really good advisor that can advise you on the specifics of your situation, because there comes a point where your situation is unique. And while we're going to use the tools, we're going to use them in a way that best benefits you and what you want to have happen, not. It's not a one size fits all by any, by any means.
0: I love that you said that because it's so vitally important. We always want to ensure both with ourselves included and to our general audience that you got to have the right people on your team. I mean, this is a, a perfect example as you with Robert Kiyosaki, right? We had yeah. Garrett Sutton on our show not too long ago right. as, as well. You need to have these advisors that are understand, first of all, what you're trying to do, understand your particular situation, the tax code at a high level involving business and real estate. And you need to work with them and build yourself, you know, your, your team that's going to help you be successful. Even out of the, out of the gates with just a couple properties. For Um, sure. Adam, I think. Investing's a team sport. 100%. I love that. Adam, I think your question on the LLC was like kind of, kind of going towards the, uh, or which business structure for is like the average investor. Like typically one of our investors maybe has a handful, 10, 20 properties, you know, probably, probably an LLC, right. Would just be.
2: Probably some kind of an LLC structure, but it depends on the state they're in. Uh, So, for example, in Tennessee, they're going to pay this horrible tax rate on their LLC because they've got the 6% tax on LLCs. California has a tax on LLCs as well. So not every state, most states, I would agree, a limited liability company for investment real estate or some holding company structure. In other words, you have a holding company that all it owns is other LLCs and those LLCs own the properties. So for example, let's say that you have property in Arizona and Texas and Florida. Okay, well, you're going to want an Arizona LLC, a Texas LLC, and a Florida LLC, but they can all flow up to, if you will, that holding company, which could be a Wyoming LLC. So so you do have to look at the states as well.
0: I I love that. Tom, let's go talk about, uh, I guess, transition a little bit to the current state of affairs. Uh, and kind of see, you know, what what do you think is on the horizon legislation? We had this great 2017 tax act that uh, just made real estate and investing phenomenal for for many ways. Um, we have a different, you know, political structure now kind of in place. I mean, what do you think as far as the future? And also on your, when we talked about that $25 million step up, um, basically, I mean, the there is talk about lowering that significantly, I think, right? Potentially, or?
2: Well, one thing to remember is that a lot of these rules phase out, including the $25 million step up, uh, the $25 million rule. So the bonus depreciation, is fa- it goes down to 80% next year, 2023, 60% in 2024, and 50% in 2025, okay, and thereafter. Um, e- e- eventually, the same thing happens. The estate tax exclusion is going to Revert, and so you you do have a window of opportunity here. <clears throat> will you know? Will the current administration be able to change anything? We'll see. N- nothing significant. They don't have the votes. Depends on what happens in November. You know, if if somehow uh, the Democrats were able to get a true majority in the Senate, and uh, they were able to maintain their majority in the House some way, then we'd have massive changes to the tax law. Um, If the Republicans win either the house or the Senate, then we'll have very little happen over the next couple of years. So a lot, a lot depends on, I mean, people really should get out and vote because a lot depends on your vote and not just your, your final vote, but your primary vote. So I would encourage people to get involved in the political process. If you care.
1: You mentioned that during Kennedy, it switched from individuals to business. Has there been any, anything in your mind that you've seen that leads you to think that we're at all in a situation where business is going to switch, it's going to switch from business back to the individual or are we pretty well entrenched in businesses where we're sticking?
2: Here's the challenge is that um, tack, the power to tax is the most important and the biggest power that the government has. And uh, unless you've met a politician that's willing to give up that power, we're going to continue to see it this way because they want uh, there's this exchange, right? I mean, uh, first of all, if, if you read my book, um, uh, the win-win walt strategy, tax incentives work. I mean, they—they, they, it's pretty obvious they actually work, and and the government actually makes more money than they would without the tax incentives. So there's not really a reason to go back. Okay, what what would be the benefit now if if uh, Bernie Sanders were president and would they change? Absolutely. Bernie Sanders does understand that, um, he would, he would prefer a progressive rate with no tax incentives. He would be willing to do that. Ted Cruz on the other hand would also prefer no tax incentives. He just wants a flat rate. So that's something where (laughs) probably the only place where Ted Cruz and Bernie Sanders agree, but when it comes to no tax incentives, they would both agree on that. Um, you know, we saw a bit of a shift right last year with the child tax credit and some other uh, tax benefits, but you're not, I, I, it's, it's hard to see that the government really doesn't have the money to do, you know, unless they just blow up this deficit even more, it's hard to see that they're going to be able to get more benefits to the individuals. Because by the way, all the money's with individuals. Uh, you want to raise taxes, you've got to raise taxes on individuals. Businesses pay very little tax. I mean, proportionately, there's not as much tax there. So um, investors, um, yeah, you can you you can go after them. There is a new limitation on how much of your losses you can use against um, wage income. For example, we have this $500,000 rule, which just uh, came into effect in 2021, so um, they are putting some limitations on investors, and you'll continue to see some tweaking there. But a, a wholesale change to individuals, I see, I just, I, I and, and, and until the government says we're not, we're going to give up our power, I don't see it.
0: The only constant is uh, is change right in uh, in the tax code so that is and, true and politically can you can you elaborate on that uh, aspect that just what you mentioned in 2021 that changed um, are you talking about active yeah, like th-
2: this is a very this is a very important change that I don't hear anybody talking about so prior to 2021 um, let's say you had uh, one spouse with um, you know a million dollars of wages they're a surgeon or whatever, right? And that's wage income because they work for the hospital. And then you have uh, the other spouse is a professional real estate investor. Prior to 2021, um, you could actually invest enough money to eliminate the taxes on the million dollars of wages. Beginning in 2021, you can no longer do that. You can only offset up to $500,000. Of those wages. So if you have wages, interest income, dividend income, retirement income, those all add up together. You can only offset five hundred thousand. Now here's what's interesting. Speaking of business being the number one benefit, you can offset all your business income. So if your income, so if your losses are all from real estate and your income's all from business, why are you paying tax? It's just because you're not investing enough or you don't have the right tax advisor. Um, but really, if that's where your income and your investments are—you literally can pay zero tax. It, it literally can be tax-free wealth.
1: I love that's, that uh, so much. That's Zach's dream right there.
0: <laughs> there I go. mean, that's in reality though. That's what we do. We buy a lot of commercial retail centers enough every single year to offset our income. I mean, this is—we're we're in the tax. I mean, that we're in the business, right? I mean, we are real estate professionals, and that's why we're investing. That's why we make our money in real estate. And we buy real estate with the money that we make in it. I mean, and then we have more money to invest. And then that multiplies and you get additional tax benefits, as Tom mentioned earlier. So, I mean, this is something that's applicable to everyone, though. Everyone, if you're investing. it
2: is. I mean, you can invest in duplexes and uh, end up with some amazing tax benefits. You do need, you know, if you're going to be a casual investor, so you're investing in, you know, one or two properties a year, um, you do need really good tax advice because they do have limitations. If you're not a professional like you are, um, like for me, my wife and I will never be real estate professionals ever. Uh, my, my wife has a, she's a CPA. She has her own CPA firm. I run my business full time. I'm never going to be a real estate professional. I'm never going to get that unlimited deduction. Um, but that doesn't mean I can't get the deduction. It just means it's a lot more difficult and requires a lot more tax planning. And that's where, again, that's where you have to get with really good tax advisors
0: hundred percent. Tom, can we talk a little bit about uh, capital gains changes and um, possibly any 1031? I mean, that's something we hear about like, oh, they're going to change the 1031 and then it went away. And 1031's blah, blah,
2: blah. never going away. Uh, I, I think 1031's safe. I, I think they proved it. it, it you know, it, even in that Build Back Better plan last year, this time last year, 1031s were kind of in there. And the thought was in there, but they actually never made the bill. So they actually never got there. I, I think 1031s, you would decimate the real estate market. You'd have a 1990 again, which I, m- most people don't remember 1990, but I do, where we had the um, RTC, um, Resolution Trust uh, uh, Corp, where basically the the government, the banks owned all this real estate, and you had a much bigger crash than 2008, 2009. You had in 1990, and so you know where you could pick up a uh, good, good commercial real estate for fifty cents a foot. I mean, it was nothing. Um, I had clients who made all their money. In fact, if even if you if you look at Robert and Kim Kiyosaki's history, they made all their money in 1990, 91. That's where they got free. That's where they got out of the rat race was when they were buying properties back then because it was so cheap. Real estate was so cheap in 1991 because of that huge, the whole savings and loan debacle. So I'm not too worried about the 1031. Capital gains, could they raise the rates? They could. The challenge with capital gains is is that um, they don't, raising the capital gains rates doesn't actually produce income for the treasury. Uh, People just stop selling property. So um, could you get, you know, you're more likely to get a transaction tax on uh, the stock market that I could see. Um, But in real estate, you know, real estate even avoided the um, carried interest rule, you know, the carried interest rule for developers. You know, you've got a three-year rule now for hedge funds, but you don't have that three-year rule for real estate developers. So real estate's been very favored over the years since 1981. Uh, So Ronald Reagan was the first one. So where JFK, He put in really the first big tax credit, which was for manufacturers. Um, Ronald Reagan was the one who uh, brought in really the first big tax benefits for real estate with uh, that accelerated depreciation in 1981. He did again in 82, again in 84, 86. Of course, they limited it back down, but they reduced the rates. So um, real estate's had a pretty long history, um, but you never know. It's like oil and gas. Oil and gas has a really long history, longer than real estate, and, you know, they keep trying to, um, to, to put the kibosh on it and they keep losing. So we'll see.
0: And uh, what I really enjoy that you've made very clear, uh, which we've never had anyone elaborate on is just the simple fact of you know, the government is incentivized to do, to do these sorts of things. And, and so, you just got to look at what really makes sense. And a lot of us just don't understand what, well, what does make sense? I mean, we're, we're fearful of those, those potential well, changes, but
2: that's why you should read this book win-win wealth strategy <laughs> because i literally go through and do, I, I I don't just look at the taxpayer side of things. I look at the government side. What does the government get out of it, okay, financially? It's interesting enough, the one where the government does not really do well is in pension plans and, and uh, 401ks. That's a pretty much a break even for them. But all these others incentives, they do really well. So, um, so well that literally there's a chapter on how to get the government to pay for your Ferrari. And they literally will do that. If you, if you do enough, uh, investing, you can literally buy a Ferrari with the government's tax savings.
0: <laughs> I love it. And is it, does that uh, include driving your Ferrari, uh, to, to work at uh, 200 miles per hour or,
2: uh, well, you they know, won't pay uh, your ticket. Uh, <laughs> they won't pay your ticket uh, and, and that's non-deductible by the way, your ticket is non-deductible because it's a, it's a fine.
0: Uh, interesting. Uh, Tom, a lot of our uh, listeners and and investors are either just getting started, they're in their newer stages. We have some people that are pretty high level, but a lot of them I would say would classify as 10 properties or under and sure. just getting their, their feet wet in the investing world. Do you have any advice from them as, as far as just like philosophically even just to think about real estate from a tax perspective and, and any advice on path forward for them?
2: Yeah, I, I, I just a, a few things. First of all, specialize. Okay. Get really good at one type of real estate. So if you're going to do plexes, do plexes. If you're going to do multifamily, do multifamily. If you're going to do industrial, do industrial. Don't, don't spread yourself too thin because it's really hard. Real estate's difficult. I mean, it's, it's, it's something you can get caught with your pants down pretty bad, um, which is why some people say don't use debt because they got caught with their pants down. Okay. But I, and, and that's, that's really another thing to be thinking about is Real estate makes most sense when you're willing to use debt. Uh, it, it's okay as an investment if you don't use debt, but it's really good when you use debt because you're leveraging them. I mean, think about it. right now we have eight to 9% inflation rate and we have a 6% interest rate. That's not very common that you actually have inflation running ahead of interest rates. So that actually makes real estate even better um, uh, as, as, an investment and you got to consider it, but only debt. Now, here's the thing I would tell people, a lot of people are afraid of debt. And what I always tell people is if you're afraid of debt, it's because you don't trust the asset that the debt paid for. Okay. If you don't, if you, if you're not comfortable with the debts, cause you don't trust the asset. So again, I would get the education. What you guys are doing is so important because you're educating people on, okay, here's how to do the real estate. Here's what you need to do in real estate. Don't just think real estate's not a panacea like any other business. It's hard work. It takes a lot of education, takes a lot of knowledge, and it takes a good team around you. And, uh, you know, once you start getting that team around, once you start getting that education, you know, eventually, I mean, taxes for me are pretty simple. You know, I can I I can look at somebody's tax return in about five minutes and tell you what you need to do. Well, that's because I've got forty years of experience doing it, right? Most people can't do that because they don't have that kind of experience. So I would say get uh, I absolutely specialize. A rich will make uh, a niche will make you rich. Um, so make sure that you specialize. Don't don't scatter yourself. Um, make sure that you learn how to use debt and use it properly. And, uh, and and get a good team around you.
1: Beautiful. Thank Fantastic. You. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it and all the advice. Everybody, you can check him out at wealthability.com or at tomwheelwright.com. That's wealthability or tomwheelwright.com. His new book is out there, The Win-Win Wealth Strategy, Seven Investments the Government Will Pay You to Make. So go and check that out. I'm sure you can buy it from one of those two sites if you had on over there. Well, you, you
2: can always go to Amazon. Or right? even, so they, say, they've got you can it. Always too. go to Amazon. Too, always I'm go sure. to Amazon.
1: Yeah, they always have it. But, you know, if you want to go direct, so, you know, making a little okay bit too. more money.
2: <laughs> now, <laughs> you, I'm, I, you know what? I'm good with it. Go to Amazon. Uh, winwinwealthstrategy.com is another place that we sell it. Um, but uh, certainly uh, Amazon is, is pretty quick and easy and, and they do discount the book. So um, it's a it's a good place to go.
1: All right. Well, thank you again. Everybody else, you can check us out at renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. You can see all of our inventory there. You can schedule a call with one of our investment strategists to talk about how you can move forward on your path to financial freedom through real estate. If you have any questions, email us, podcast at com. That's podcast at com. And we'll talk to you on the next episode.